Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, God, I do thank you for this day, and I thank you for your word. I just pray now that you would be with us as we look at your word this morning. I ask that you would give us understanding of what you have for us. I pray that the things that I say today will be of you and not of myself. In your name I pray, amen. All right, so we're going to be starting with a new, I'm going to use air quotes, series. Um, We're still going to be finishing up in 1 Thessalonians, but this last little chunk is going to be a little bit different. So I'm trying to think of a great title for it. It's all about doing life God's way. Um, Paul shifts gears. This last little piece of 1 Thessalonians is super, super practical, very direct, very straightforward. I thought about doing it, uh, calling it uh, doing church the Thessalonian way, but then I didn't want anybody to think, oh, well, wait a minute, we're about the Ephesian way of doing church, okay? So there's not like different ways, and, but I don't know. We'll come up with something good. Um, this week is the end to the previous and the beginning of that. So this is like the bridge message, okay? So Paul's wrapping up everything he's been talking about, and he's getting ready to jump into this just list of practical things to do. And so this is kind of like that bridge between the two. And so before we jump into this bridge, I've got a special favor to ask, okay? I'm almost afraid to ask you this favor. I'm nervous about it. There's a reason for the nervousness. I hate to say it. I'm, 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 I don't want to say it out loud, but I think we've grown. Now, for those of you that have been here for a long time, um, I cannot tell you how many times we would get here to church and we would say, where is everybody? <laughs> like, here's the church, here's the Steve, open the doors. Where's all the people? <laughs> Um, we would have like 10, 10 people. And uh, lots of, how many Sundays did we do that? Like 10, 15 people over and over again. And uh, every Sunday, I'm just being completely honest with you right now. Every Sunday, I, I'm so glad to have our visitors here. I'm trying to move you from thinking of yourselves as visitors to not thinking of yourselves that way. Uh, because every Sunday we would, we would come in and, and uh, we would be like, okay, well, Thought we were getting bigger. Guess not. <laughs> and uh, it, it, but I'm fine with that. We didn't we get fine with it. We were fine with it, weren't we? Those people have been here longer. We're like, well, whoever God wants here is going to be here today. We were good with that. But I feel like we've taken a little step of growth. Okay. Especially if you consider that we were averaging 10 to 15, and then the last three Sundays we've been like just a few short of 50. That's actually pretty significant. So you might be looking around and going, I just love a small church. Uh, for all the rest of us that have been here for a long time, we're like, we're so big. <laughs> Look at all these people. Are we going to have to build on? What are we going to do? Okay. We did something last week for the first time we've done it in a long time. We sat out more chairs just in case. Um, Although there's a little bit of me that keeps thinking every week I'm going to come in and be like five people here. It's okay. Um, To my request, because 
I'm thinking about, okay, if that's true, we've got to think about what this means, okay? Um, so we're, we're doing some planning. I've been talking with John. We've been doing some planning about how we're doing church, what it looks like. But here's my request, three parts. Um, number one, simple. Be here. Now, for this next little chunk that we work through, I'm asking you to just, just be here. Um, there's been times in my life, and I'm being very honest with you right now, there's been times in my life where I said that out of a sense, like when I first started preaching, I, I had that sense of desperation because I, I had somehow this, this lie had crept into my mind that when churches grow, it's packing out the seats. I don't, honestly, I don't care about that anymore. So when I say this now, it used to be built in a, a concern for like trying to get, like what, what, what a pastor used to say, fill the pews, right? I, I don't care. That's not how I'm thinking. I am thinking about you, though. God has brought you here. And, and so the things that we're going to say, I, I want you to be here to hear these things. Um, I feel like it's very practical. In fact, I honestly, uh, this, this happens so many times, but I, I look ahead and we're planning out what we're going to do. And we're, I preach expository preaching. For those of you that don't know what that means, it means I go to the book of the Bible and I say, we're going to preach through this. I very seldom say, okay, I feel like we need to talk about this topic. I, I almost never do that. I just go, I'm just preaching to you the Word of God. This, this is what it says. And so let's look at this book of the Bible and, and let's preach through it and let's do it. But I can't tell you how many times I've done this. And as we're going, it's like the perfect thing for what, where we're at is exactly what we get to. And I think it's crazy ridiculous right now that we're, here we have a little bit of growth and we got some people and like, I, I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, uh, I, I don't have the brain to like think big picture, like those big mega churches and like they're thinking about all these programs. Like, we don't have programs. We don't have any, do we? We wouldn't know how to run one if we had one. But I think it's amazing that right as we get to this, it's like suddenly got, I, I hit a section that is Paul just saying, this is what you do. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And, and I, I'm looking at this as like a way to, to mesh us together, okay? The newbies and the, the oldies. Mesh us together as, as this, this particular body of Christ. Like what? What's our focus? What are we thinking about? What are we going to do? And we've hit a perfect section. So my, my request is that you be here. Um, if you can't, um, listen online. If you don't know what the word online means, <laughs> I'll make you a CD. If you're like, I don't know what a CD is, whoa. Um, I'll make you tape. If, like, I don't have a tape player. I will come to your house and re-preach. If you miss a week, you're like, Matt, I missed it, and I have, I'll understand technology. I, I will come to your house and go, it's, I have the notes. I'll, I'll come and I'll share it with you. Sound fair? I'm not going to force myself on you. Like, if you miss next week, just being lazy and you miss, I'm not going to be like, maybe I should. Should I just go around everybody that missed? And be like, hey, I know you weren't here. I'm, I've come here to preach to you the sermon that you missed. That would be hilarious, wouldn't it? Maybe that's what I need to do. That would be pretty fun. You'd be like, um, I got to go to work. That's okay. I'll ride with you. <laughs> bring pizza. Yeah. Yeah. Bring pizza. Is that what you said? Yeah. I'll bring, I'll bring some pizza. I can do that. All right. Be here. I think there's some important things, and, and I'm, I don't want you to miss out. Okay. 
Number two, um, encourage others to be here. Um, I, I want to try to encourage you, but I, there's some people that are not here even today, right? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm setting you on a, a mission right now. If there's somebody that you, you know that's not here, I want you to prayerfully say, Lord, I, I'm going to reach out to them because they weren't here. Now, I don't, now, some of you have different styles. Some of you might call up somebody, and I'm okay with that. My mother-in-law will call somebody up and say, get your butt in church, right? <laughs> Amen. Okay, now that's not for everybody. Some of you might approach it a little differently, and that's okay, because you know that person. I want you to try, think about the people that you know. Where, where, are you, where are we at? Some of you would be much more gracious. You'd be like, I really missed you. <laughs> Just thinking about you this week. Some of you are going to be like, get your butt in church. Where are you at? Okay. Encourage. Emphasis on the encourage. Mother-in-law. Okay. Um, you have an amazing way of being able to say, get your butt in church, and people actually feel encouraged by it, I think. That's weird. Not everybody has that gift. Um, encourage others. Once again, this is not to fill the seats. Third, number three, I want you to look at this as a time to, to learn. To soak this in. So practical. So, once again, this is not, none of this is about packing the room or getting numbers. I don't, I don't think that way anymore. Praise God, I don't think that way anymore. Um, frankly, that's not what real church growth is about anyway. Okay? It's about learning. It's about you as an individual growing in Christ. In Hebrews chapter 5, um, the writer of Hebrews says about, uh, he's talking to the, his audience. He said, he, he's been explaining and teaching them, them some things. And he says, about this we have much to say. And it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. There'd be something dreadfully wrong if in 10 years you were still just giving milk to these babies that we have in our church. That'd be wrong. I mean, you'd be like, that's not right. Especially for you breastfeeding mothers. That's not right. <laughs> This, you need to grow up now, this child. It's weird. Um, but the same thing is true spiritually. Some of you just spiritually, you're, you're stuck in spiritual childhood. And church growth is less about more people, more about those people moving from childhood up. Everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, church growth. So learn. So there's my request of you for the next several weeks. I've got some planned out for the rest of 1 Thessalonians. So let's shift back to our passage. There's, there's the request. Be here. Encourage others to be here. And when you are here, learn. Okay. Back to 1 Thessalonians. Uh, just to get the context again, verses 5 through 7, for you're all, you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. 
So then let us, because of that, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. That word sober could also be translated self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. Now there's three parts in today's message. You're going to hit it in verses 8 through 11. That once again, is this is the bridge. Wrapping up all of these thoughts, heading into what's new. We who are here, who will meet Jesus in the air, we who are the children of light. Anybody here feel like a child of the light right now? Some of you are like, yeah. Some of you are like, I don't know. It's okay. I think you are. Okay? We who are here, the children of the light, we ought to be awake in this world. When everything in this world wants you to go to sleep spiritually, let's wake up. Verse 8. Paul says, But since we belong to the day, says it again, let us be sober, having put on, put on the breastplate of faith and love and, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. So since we are this, since we do belong to the day, you that are here, you belong to the day, I believe it. Since you do belong to the day, as far as I know, you ought to be self-controlled, sober. Having done what? Now, some version might say putting on these things, um, but it's actually, the, the grammar of it is that it's been done to you. Okay? It's been done to you. God is it. Since you belong to the day, you've got these things. So since we're this, let's make sure that this is the case. Since we belong to the day. And notice it goes into the direction of armor. A breastplate of faith and love. A helmet uh, is the hope of salvation. Now, Paul's already addressed these three things. Faith, love, and hope. If you were here for the beginning of 1 Thessalonians, you heard this in chapter 1. Paul said, we give thanks to God always for all of you constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Remembering before our God and Father, your work of faith, there it is, right, faith, uh, your labor of love and, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus. This actually reminds me of, <laughs> every once in a while I've got some things I'm getting ready to say, I'm like, I'm going to say this and people are like, what a nut. Uh, this actually reminds me of the Karate Kid, okay? It, who's seen way back, the original, the Karate Kid, Ralph Macchio? Anybody seen that? Some of you are like, maybe, I don't know. Um, some of you are like, I'm embarrassed to say I did. Um, the gist of it, if you haven't seen it, it's a kid and he learns karate. Okay. Um, he gets this teacher that teaches him, Mr. Mr. Miyagi. Ah, oh, Mr. Miyagi, right? He teaches him how to do karate. You guys remember that? Anybody tell me, how does, how does Mr. Miyagi start teaching the karate kid karate? Wax, wax on, wax off. Uh, sand the floor. <laughs> paint the fence. Remember it? You paint the house. You guys remember that? Okay. So, so let me draw the connection for you. I apologize for going weird. Um, Paul has said at the beginning, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before God and Father. So he's noticed these three things, these three key elements. Your, your, your work of faith faith, your, your labor of love, and the steadfastness of hope. Now, he's shifted to where he's saying, okay, you need to put on this armor. You, in fact, you have it on. See, you've already mentioned these three things, faith, love, and hope. 
Now he's, call, now he's describing them differently as not something that you worked and done, and, and, and we're, we're thinking about these things. And, and honestly, that's how we think about faith and, and, and love and hope, and it's these things that might seem to you very soft things. But Paul then shifts and says, it's armor. I think we need some Mr. Miyagi, don't you? Oh, oh volume. Oh, big sucker, Sandafra. Sandafra. Now show me wax on, wax off. Hey. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Hey, wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Concentrate. Look in my eye, like a hand, thumb inside. Wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Wax on. Wax off. Show me paint the fence. Up, down. Up, down. Up. Done. Other side. Look, I. Always look, I. Show me paint the house. Side, side. Lock wrist. Side, side. Side, side. Ush. Show me wax on. Is it really wax Okay, now, let me build a kid. Don't read that yet. Let me build a connection for you. When we get up here week after week, we talk about faith, love, and hope, and these things, and we talked about those things. These are the same things that prepare you to defend yourself from the things in this world that are going to put you to sleep, cause you to forget. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says this, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Paul talks in other places, he goes through this, this armor and he expands it even further. In this passage, he says, just the faith and the hope and love. And he's, these key three elements are your armor in this world, some of you are on the struggle bus every week, and thoughts arise in your head, and you go, and, and they start raising themselves up against the knowledge of God. You, you, you start saying things to yourself like, 
I can't do what God's called me to do. That's a lie. I'm not, yes, you are. You're a child of God. You're a child of the day. Child of the light. I don't know how to defend my, every week I, I fall back. I get, I get on the struggle bus again. You guys heard the phrase struggle bus? <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I just, he, he, every week it's like, he, come to church. Yes, yes, yes. By Tuesday, you're like back into whatever it is. It's because these things, the, the attacks start to come. Some of you know because the attacks start to come as soon as you head out the door. Before you get out into the parking lot. You say, well, I don't feel like I can defend myself against these things. And you start thinking, I need other. No, no this is the armor of God. Your faith in him. Your love of each other. And that steadfast hope that looks for his coming. As those things grow, those prepare you to defend yourself against these lofty arguments that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. So let's call this first part God's preparation. See, everything we talk about after this is going to be like, what's this look like? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Right? What's it look like? But I want you to embrace this work of faith, this labor of love, and the steadfastness, I want you to embrace those things because if you are on a weekly basis falling back and falling back and falling back and you get up and down and up and down, you're you're sick of the up and the down. This is where it's at. It's a work of faith. It's a labor of love for each other. And if there's a steadfastness of hope looking for the, the day that Christ returns, those three things will begin to defend you against all the things of life that start to work their way in and tear you down. So the first part, God's preparation. He has clothed us in spiritual armor. Two more parts equally as important. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. Paul says this next, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain Salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. This awake and asleep in this part is not the same awake and asleep he's referring to a moment ago. Now he's talking about just whether you're alive or dead. Right? Whether you're alive or dead, you might live with him. But I want you to catch here that I'm talking about destiny. It's like talking about destiny. What's your destiny? What's your purpose? What's God's plan for you? There's some specifics, but I want to give you some generalities here. God's plan for you is not for wrath. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul's already brought this up. He says this, and talking about the Thessalonians, and he says, and how, and how you turn from God, or to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, and we raise from the dead Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. There's wrath to come. God's judgment is coming. That is not your destiny. He already also told them in chapter 1, he says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has 
chosen you, appointed you. In fact, that's what we're seeing. Let me go back here. Um, God has not destined us. That word that's translated destined could also be translated appointed or chosen. He's not done that. He's not chosen you for this. He's not appointed you for this. You might be saying, well, how do I know that's talking about me? Some of you, that's, what, that's the thought that comes up. That's what, in fact, that's one of the lies that pops up through the week. Oh, that sounds great, Matt. God's not destined me for wrath, maybe he has. Anybody ever had that lie pop up in your head? Like, maybe I'm that one unique person that's like trying to get to God, and he's like, nope, don't want you. I'm going to tell you right now, let's not overcomplicate this. Let's take this very simply. I'm going to point to a passage in Romans that says this. As it is written, Paul's quoting back in Psalms. He says, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. So you can't ever get to this place where you go, I, in and of myself, have begun to seek after God, but God's not interested in me. No, no, no. Why? Nobody seeks God in and of themselves. No. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And I think that most of you know this. Most of you that have been living for God, you'd say, that's just the grace of God because left to myself, I would not be here. And you guys know I feel that way about myself because I, I talk about it all the time. Where would I be? Margaritaville. I would not be a pastor. Why are you here? This morning, no, literally, in this room. Did you just wake up today and you had some little strain of natural goodness in you and I thought, I just wanted to go to church because I'm just a good person. I hope that's not why you came. I hope a lot of times you come here and you go, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing I don't know what I'm doing here. I definitely don't belong here. I'm okay with you saying that because guess what? You do. You do belong here. And maybe the very reason why you decided to get up is because God has called you for a purpose. If I could do anything this morning... If I could do anything at all, like, and I can't, I don't have this ability. If I could, I would do it all the time, but I don't have this ability. If I could do anything at all, I would turn that little switch in each and every one of your hearts where you just do this one thing, where you look at it and go, I believe that's for me. I'm just going to believe it. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm just going to believe it. I'm just going to believe it. If I could do anything at all in you, that's what I, I can't do that. I wish I could sometimes. I wish I could just, like, there'd be a switch on your back and I could just walk up and go. And then you went, I believe it. Okay, I believe it. If you're here today, I, I want you to desperately to just finally say, okay, this is for me. God is not destined you. Maybe you could read this verse. God is not destined to us. God is not destined to me for wrath. In fact, whatever is happening to you now is not wrath. Think about that one for a moment. You ever feel that way when things go wrong? God must be ticked off at me. 
Some of you are like, no. A lot, I know a lot of you do think that way. Every time something goes bad, you think, oh, man, God's mad at me. I blew it. Now he's like, he, we view God as this, you know, real wishy-washy kind of, did it again? <laughs> Car breakdown. <laughs> no. For you, that's not the case. What, you, you're not destined. Your destiny is not wrath. That's not what's going on with you when your car breaks down, when the trials come. Paul says in Romans 8, 28, he says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. God is working those things. He has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of those things. What is the purpose? For those who are called according to his purpose, he goes on after that to talk about what that purpose is. It's to, to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ to work out those things in your life that are not like Christ, to, to make you more like him. It's not wrath. It's not judgment. That's not how it works with the child of God. You will never fall under God's wrath and his judgment. The things that happen at this, from this point forward, if you're a child of God, is to, to make you more like Christ. It might be discipline, and it might feel harsh, but it's always in love, and it's always for your growth. I want you to believe that you are not destined for wrath, but for salvation. Paul says as well in Romans 8, just before that, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation, I threw the second verse in there, verse 19. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Because I'm telling you right now, the whole world... You, I know you probably don't believe this, but I'm telling you, the Bible says it, so it must be true. The whole world, even if they say they don't want it, the reality is the world longs for people that are children of God to be revealed as the sons of God. Okay? You may think, well, the... The more I go this way, the more the world hates me. And there, there is a truth to that. But there's also a reality that the creation is groaning. That's what it says. The creation, the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. So first we have God's preparation. Now we have God's plan, or maybe I could go in the direction it's calling it God's purpose for you. He's prepared you. He has purpose for you. Which brings me full circle to what I started with when I said, this is what I need you to do. The second of those things, besides be here, was to encourage others. So Paul actually says that next. And that's what we're going to end on. Therefore, because God has prepared you and he's, he's equipped you and he's got a purpose for you, go tell other people about it. Encourage. You guys remember what encourage means? It's the call alongside, right? It's the call up, but it's, it's the, I'm with you in this. So encourage. This looks as simple as when you call that person that's, that's on the struggle bus this week, and maybe they don't realize that they're on the struggle bus because they, they weren't at church this week, right? Let's be honest, that happens, does it not? You get people that they miss church. Maybe it was for good reasons. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe they got called into work. Maybe they're, we got our nurses that struggle with it all the time, every the week. They got to work. And, 
and then I know that some of them even, they, they get to that week where they have off, and they're like, I just want a weekend, and what do they do? They, they choose to, to not come. And then, then the whole week, and then you, maybe you talk to them on the phone, they're like, this, this is going on, this is going on. And maybe they'll throw in something in there, and you'll, you'll, you'll detect it. I just feel like God's so mad at me right now. They're not destined for rest. See, you know these truths. So it might be as simple as encouraging others with this is to say, calling them up and saying, I can't wait to, to see you this week. I'll be there too. You can sit with me. And if you're really nervous about them, go on Sunday morning to their house. <laughs> Say, I thought we could ride together today. Encourage. Come on, let's go. Encourage and build up with these words. Build them up. Lift them up. You're a child of God. You're a child of the day. God has a purpose for you. I absolutely believe that. If I've ever walked up to you, and there's some of you I know that I've said this specifically to your face. If I've ever walked up to you and said, I believe that God has a purpose for you, I want you to know, I absolutely, I believe that. I believe that from the depths of my being. If I've looked you in the eye and said, I, I believe God, I don't know what it is. God's got something for you. Confident in it. There's not a person in this room. I'm looking around, trying to look at all of you in the eye. I believe that God has a purpose for you. Absolutely. And I want to encourage you to be in the word, to learn, to find out what God, what is, it's not wrath. I'll tell you, I know this, it's not, it's not a purpose of wrath. It's a purpose of obtaining salvation is what Paul said, obtaining it. Salvation for, what is it, what is it you, that every week binds you down? That the salvation that Christ offers is not a theoretical one that, that simply says, uh, you're saved. You're gonna. You're, well, lo, the rest of your life, you're pretty screwed. But um, you go to heaven one day. That's not. No, salvation is salvation from sin. It's real and it's powerful. And his purpose for you is to obtain that salvation. His purpose for you is not to just stay on that struggle bus for the rest of your days. It's not what his purpose is. And I want you to believe it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you, God, for this day. I just pray now for each soul in this room that they would believe or by your grace. And in the name of Jesus, I ask that each one in this room will believe that God has a purpose for them. And that purpose is not a destiny of your wrath falling on them, but it's a purpose of obtaining the salvation that you worked on the cross, you died for us, that we may obtain this salvation. I pray that each person in this room would recognize that the things that they've been learning about faith and love and hope are the very same things that will defend them against the lies that this world speaks to us. I pray, God, that you would bring us together again. I pray for those that are not here this morning, God, that Lord, I know that in the, the world that we live in, it's tough. It's so tough sometimes, and the schedules are so varied, and I know there's people that have things that they have to get done. This, this interrupts and this interrupts, but Lord, I, I just pray for those that, 
that could have been here, that should have been here. God, I pray that you'd give us opportunity to encourage them. Encourage them towards that fellowship. I think especially of those that this week are going to struggle. I pray that it would not be a struggling into nothingness, but a struggling that will open their eyes, that they might see that they need you. Got to pray all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.